Have you ever seen a grown man naked in the shower? There's this week's title. <laughs> I really don't think we should do that. <laughs> You're listening to Dots, Lines, and Destinations, a travel podcast with host Stephen Seagraves, Fosma Moon, and Seth Miller. Hello and welcome to episode 285 of Dots, Lines, and Destinations. I'm Stephen Seagraves, joined by Seth Miller and Fosma Moon. Gentlemen, how are you? Doing well. Yeah. How are you? I'm feeling a little better. Not 100%, but I'm getting there, which is good. So this this episode is being recorded solely with your right ear? Yes. Yes. So I have no sense of uh, uh, stereo. Should we should we record in mono then? <laughs> That's what it feels like. <laughs> Spoiler alert: they're all mono. Uh, by the time production ends, that's where they always end. Uh, right. Yeah, we should edit this so Stephen's voice only comes out of the left, and the other two come out of the right. <laughs> no, the problem is I can do that. I know you can do that. Oh man! Well, let's let's. I think that would be mean to our listeners. It would, I think it'd be really confusing. It'd throw people off for sure. <laughs> Uh, let's just start off by talking about kind of what we're doing, uh, to fill our time. I mean, I'm working from home. Uh, Seth, I'm guessing you are as well. And Foz. Yeah. I, you know, I got a call, had a call, work call today. And so I was like, Oh, so, you know, how are you adjusting this and that? Are you going to, you know, work? And I'm like, I always work from home. Did, like, and I actually don't even usually go out on a normal day anyways. This really has, it, I don't want to say it hasn't affected me because it definitely has, but on a day-to-day basis, my experience is very, very similar to what it normally is. I don't go to the gym. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, how could it not affect you when you're an aviation reporter? Well, right. I mean, mentally, I'm a disaster, but physically, I'm sitting in the same place I would have been anyways. Uh, this weekend, though, normally I would be on my way to Hamburg for Aircraft Interiors Expo, and that has postponed slash canceled. I think it will actually cancel, but they haven't admitted that yet. Um, I was supposed to leave Friday. Actually, somewhat pleasantly surprised, I was able to DM American Airlines, British Airways canceled the flight that I was booked on via American and American processed the refund. They first told me to go do it myself. Um, and the American process for getting a refund on their website is crap. But when I went and clicked the button and said, we're sorry, you can't cancel this ticket online. I DM'd them back and last night they took care of it for me. And this morning got back in touch with me to tell me I was getting my 132 euros refunded. Oh, cool. how's that make you feel, Stephen? That's the, that's the opposite experience of United. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I mean, at this point, I think I'm just going to file, uh, you know, a chargeback and write a DOT complaint. Well, it's one, one of our friends had the exact same issue. Five tickets, United refused to refund. So he opened up disputes and filed a DOT complaint. And if they give, I haven't had a chance to call them about mine, but if I have issues, I will do the exact same thing. So here's a question for you guys, because I, believe it or not, am in a similar scenario. My ticket home from Hamburg was an SAS-operated reward issued by United. And again, the flights aren't operating. So the good news is it's just an award ticket. At worst, I pay the $75 redeposit fee and I get my points back. But they've canceled the flights. In theory, in any other scenario, the, the uh, points would just get refunded for free. I can obviously issue a chargeback for the taxes, which were not insignificant leaving Europe. But... Do you think I stand a chance of getting my points for free, or should I just assume I'm going to pay the $75 and have to file a DOT complaint? And still, and still pay the $75. I think you'll be able to do it without the uh, without the fee. The, the thing is, right, they're, they're dragging their feet on refunds simply because they don't want they want to keep hold on to the cash. Right. So their latest policy is they well, your ticket will stay open for a year, and then they will process a refund for you. Right. Which is assuming, ludicrous. Assuming they're in business. 
assuming they're in business. I mean, <laughs> it, actually, it, yeah, go ahead. It, I would hope that if the government does indeed give these airlines a lifeline, that part of those stipulations is that they can't play these stupid games. This is just ridiculous. Yeah, I had a, a friend asking me, his parents were supposed to go this past, last Wednesday, were supposed to be on the United nonstop to Cape Town, and then from there to Singapore on Swiss, and then home, via Zurich or whatever, uh, and then back to the States, and was asking me, you know, how to get out of it, essentially. And we've been going back and forth for like a month trying to help him out on that, and you know, kept telling him, well, just wait, just wait, just wait, as the rules, as more and more cancels, things will get better for you. And he eventually got to the point where they took a voucher, because I think the United outbound flight still operated. Mm-hmm. even though the Swiss ones were canceled at that point. Mm-hmm. But he said it was for his parents and his parents were concerned that the vouchers would be nullified in a bankruptcy. <laughs> I would be too. I, I think it's a fair like assumption. I, is it though? I'm thinking back of other airline bankruptcies. I don't remember that being something that they went after as far as assets. They haven't, but there's nothing to say that they won't. I mean, this might be more dire than anything else they've had to go through in the past. We are, we are certainly living in an unprecedented, in a unprecedented ex- era. Yeah. for the industry, but and, I, know, that was an interesting I, I feel like, I feel like, you know, I, I get, I get why United's trying to do it. I, I think that they're doing it in the wrong way. Like, you know, if American, like American said to you, Seth, they canceled your flight, they're going to, they're going to refund it. That there's no reason United should be like, Oh, well, we're going to keep your money and you're going to get a certificate for that case. Like in my case, I would say my case is the, like the extreme and maybe so mine is they delayed me 32 hours and, are basically making me leave a day early to to make my connection in Chicago and sit in Chicago for 32 hours. And I, like that might be a scenario where, yeah, it's inconvenient for me. I could see canceling it and keeping a, a credit. I don't like it. I think it's wrong. But I think a cancellation of a flight is more important than than my scenario. You know what I mean? Like I think it's more it's more useful for that person to get a refund in comparison to me. So I don't know. I, I, I just It's disappointing that United's doing it this way. Um, you know, Jess actually has a flight scheduled for Wednesday that she's supposed to, she was supposed to go to Austin. She's not going to take the trip. Uh, but I mean, there's four people on the plane and I'm, I'm amazed and they haven't canceled yet. I'm amazed Alaska hasn't canceled it. Yeah. Uh, well, I was actually talking with someone earlier today, Alaska of all the U S carriers, Alaska airlines has reduced its schedule the least, Yeah, which is just really strange to me. Um, if you want to put on your foil hat and go for a, a fun ride, one of the arguments was maybe they want bankruptcy to undo the mess they made with the Virgin America buyout. Um, <laughs> I think that might be a little bit extreme, but yeah, it's really interesting how little they've adjusted their schedules uh, compared to obviously the big, the biggest airlines, uh, Delta American United have cut massive chunks, but a lot of that's international and international feed that Alaska never did anyways, but domestic loads, crater like JetBlue is doing what they're calling rolling cancellations where a day or two before the flight if the loads are too low they're just canceling the trips and they did they're like 100 to 150 of the 800 ish flights a day they're doing that too now because they literally i mean these are flights with single digit numbers of passengers yeah and I mean, I, a pilot friend of mine there posted something on instagram of 13 souls on board four crew it was an e90 four crew nine passengers which is, ins- I mean, you, you have to cancel it, I would think. Yeah. You, 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 on a one-off, whatever, maybe not. But this is not a one-off. This is th- the new regular. Yeah. And, and like, that's the thing with, like, Jess's flights. Like, if they really wanted to, they could cancel her flights and rebook her via Seattle or San Jose City um, and maybe put more people on those planes. But from what I've seen, it's just been mass cancellations on her flights where it w- they were full because it's spring break here. Yeah. Um, and no one's traveling now. So, But these are all regional flights, right? 
Uh, this is Portland to Austin nonstop. Is it a 175? I think it's what Foz is asking. No, no, it's it's a no, it's a uh, Airbus. Oh, wow. and a seven seven three nine on the way back. So it doesn't have to do anything with the regional contracts. No, no, it's it's the Hipster Express. It's you know usually full. <laughs> well, you know it's funny. Seth mentioned Cape Town earlier, and I was looking. Newark, Cape Town is going out empty. Cape Town, Newark is coming back full. Everybody's evacuating Africa. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. That which because I was wondering why they're running that flight all the way through the end of the schedule and they canceled everything else. And I started looking at the loads and I'm like, ah, oh, that makes more sense. Yeah, there's a lot of very asymmetrical loads right now. Um, someone was saying the I think China Southern put its 380s back on LAX three times a week now. <laughs> So for those of you worried that the 380s will never fly again, at least for the very short period of time, China Southern brought theirs back. Um, but apparently, you know, the the scuttlebutt is it's empty coming into L.A. and full going out. With repatriation so of like Chinese. Yeah, Chinese. Well, so take this with a grain of salt. It was shared by someone who is a Chinese national, but suggesting that the Chinese who live in the United States are fearful, or especially in the Los Angeles area, are fearful of the medical system and want to get back to China where they think they'll be treated better. I mean, I think at this point, China is probably the safest. China or South Korea are probably the safest places to be. Yeah. Certainly the most skilled and competent in dealing with the situation. Exactly. I, I did find it interesting that um, Singapore has now banned even transit passengers. So, so has UAE. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's kind of, I mean, that's a, that's a new, new one for me. Yeah. No, there's a lot of countries doing that now. Um, part of that is they're they're not allowing entry of non-residents. And as flights are being canceled and operations are going to hell, they don't want to get stuck with someone mm-hmm. who is now living in the airport. Yep. Um, so we had a, a listener question. It's actually multiple questions inside of inside of one giant question. It's uh, from Soulman1024, Christopher Souls. Uh, if I hope I said your name right, Chris. Uh, he was asking about different transit systems in the world and, and favorite in different places or, or the best by the region. So uh, just transit systems in general, I guess we could talk about. Uh, Seth, you have any thoughts on your favorite transit system? Um, I always have enjoyed, you know, there's maybe How's that for a terrible <laughs> false start on that idea. Answer. So what I, was gonna say is, um, I really like the Tokyo Metro system. Um because it's super convenient for getting around and goes everywhere and it's very reliable and clean and, you know, relatively easy to navigate. They've got good signage of like which car do you want to be in based on which station you're going to for where the stairs are going to be. All sorts of like quirky little things like that that are super useful or which exit you want to use, which which car to ride in, like front or back, which yep. in New York City is something you have to learn over time and it is very challenging. The counterpoint to that is that the fare system in Japan, in Tokyo, is very difficult because... All the it's variable fare based on the station pair that you're traveling between, and based on which operator of, of the transit system you use, because it's not a single like you know metropolitan transportation authority kind of we make everything work. Uh, they have a bunch of different operators, and so especially like you think you're transferring from one train to another, but in turn, you got to go through fare gates and things like that. And so I have learned to get over that by getting a Pasmo or a Suica card which is their version of what the Oyster card is, the tap-and-go, whatever. And now I think you can even do it with Apple Pay or uh, Google Pay uh, on a phone. But when I used to travel in Tokyo, I would just go buy like a $20 card at the beginning of the trip and just use it. And if I had money left over on it, fine. That was the the idiot tax I was willing to pay for not having to try to calculate – the fare every time and buy a new ticket every time and deal with those things. But what do, so what do people in Tokyo do? I mean, as a standard thing is the, the, the pass kind of like the normal way of getting around town or are the I people would that assume, do? I would assume most people have the card of some sort. 
just because at, in general in life in Tokyo, that seemed to be the way things go. Like it's also, it's not just for paying transit. You can use it at like restaurants and shops and everything else. 7-Elevens. Mm. It's, it's like a preloaded credit card in many ways um, or stored credit card, but it sort of seemed to be in my experience, the way a lot, or pay cash, but a lot of people use the Suica or Passimo cards in Tokyo in my experience. Yeah. Yeah. Faz, what's your favorite? Singapore. Uh, I mean, it's clean. It's straightforward. Minus that little loop the blue line does in the middle of the city. <laughs> uh, and every time I write it, I think of Homer Simpson going, I am so smart. S-M-R-T. <laughs> S-M-A-R-T. <laughs> uh, the, in the blue loop in the middle is kind of new, right? I mean, that's that's like a new thing. Yeah, relatively speaking, right? I mean, we went, what, three, four years ago, and that was new then. Yeah, true, true. I, I like but, I, mean, I like I like Singapore because it's air conditioned. <laughs> well, that, but I also like it because they continue to extend it, right? Unlike most transit systems that are pretty much where they are and and have been for years, the Singapore system is continuing to evolve, and they're making it more accessible for other people on a regular basis. I'll grant you the the expansion part happening, and for general tourism, I find it pretty convenient. But I don't know; I've always felt like coverage was slightly lacking. Yeah, it depends where you want to go. It, you do end up walking a while. For sure. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Right? Like, in New York City, do we need to stop every four blocks, every five blocks? Is that actually actually an efficient use of the train? I think the the problem there is that if you take out, like, one of those stops and you stop eight blocks, um, in some cases, it's it's a lot further than you think, especially, like, going up Broadway, right? Yeah, but I'm thinking of, like, uh, the one, right? 14th, 18th, 23rd, 28th, 33rd. Right. There's just a lot of stops for the amount of energy it takes the train to start moving. Yeah, I, I will agree that 18th Street is probably a wasted stop, which is hard to say since I used to live at it. Um, it benefited <laughs> greatly from its existence. Um, I used it a lot over the years, like the past two decades. I was in and out of that station far more than I care to admit. Uh, it probably is extra and unnecessary. But that one doesn't translate across the other lines, right? Like, No, that's only on the one. Yeah. But th- there's some other cases where they're stacked pretty close, and uh, like, and the buses are notorious for that. They'll stop at every other block. It's like, why? That that I'm, I mean, that we have here in Portland. Like, it, it's one of the things that like drives me nuts is that the bus stops every other block. And it's like if you can't walk three blocks, eh, and then maybe maybe we should talk about you taking the bus. So, well, counterpoint: people in wheelchairs can't use the subway, true, and they can use a bus. That's but expecting them to go three blocks probably not a great idea. Very, very good point. Very fair enough. I mean, they've here in Portland, they've closed some of the um, subway stops or not the subway, but the max stops downtown because they were stopping like every block and a half. And so, you know, you, you could literally beat the train if you walked fast enough. So they've, they've closed some of those finally, and it's supposed to speed things up. But you know, now that no one's out, we can't really test it. So um, uh, my, I'm, I'm intrigued. I said, do you have one? I do. I think, I think I, I think I prefer Seoul the most. Um, I, I do think coverage is lacking a little bit in Seoul, but I found the, the uh, markings for like how to get out of the station to be really intuitive, even for a non uh, Korean speaker. So English or anything else that's very well marked. Um, they actually have like big maps in almost every station that show you, you know, which exit you want to go to, to get to a certain street, which I think is great. Um, it's fast, it's convenient, uh, and it's pretty well conditioned. I think the closest runner up would be probably Taipei. Um, but again, I think coverage there really lacks, um, in some areas. So is it weird that none of us like anything in Europe? Well, I think the ones in Europe are much older than Asia, right? So they, they, they're showing their age. Yeah. I, I think, 
I, I, you know, I'm kind of mixed. I think like Ber- I like Berlin, um, but Berlin has some serious gaps in where they have coverage. So if, the you, airport. if you the airport, yeah, the airport, and if you don't know like the tram system, the tram system is not the easiest to navigate because it's it's not like you get a map of the tram and know exactly where it's going. It, it just kind of announces stops and stops in the middle of the street. So if you don't know where you need to be, um, it can be intimidating the first couple of times. But once you know where to go, it's it's fairly yeah. simple. Um, I could play I could play the Schwebervon card and say that's the coolest transit system. But <laughs> well, you're the only one that's done it. <laughs> well, of us, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of other it, places. That, yeah, that I mean, it's know. interesting to me though. Like, like Faz, you're talking about how no one else expands. Paris actually is adding like four new lines this year. I think or something. A, like they're doing crazy big expansion. I remember I, that there's a lot going on there. And and the UK is finally doing so, some stuff too, right? Because they're adding the the crossrail line as I call it um which will go right through central london from heathrow which will be a nice shift but yeah, as a whole there's a lot less development in the west than there is in the U- uh, east i'm actually surprised no one mentioned anything like in the middle east or anything like uh who is it uh doha's i've ridden the doha no i haven't ridden the doha one because it didn't exist yet when i was last there the dubai one is like borderline useless given where it goes <laughs> like it, it really like it doesn't it you, yeah it just doesn't go the right places like you want you want to go to the big mall or the what's it called the tower no yeah just no like the first time i remember the first time i was like oh i'll go i was in one of the malls i think i could get the, get it there and then was going to go to the mall with the ski slope had a station i think or was close enough and then i was going to go to the uh i'm blanking all the names of these things i'm sorry to the tower and i got off the train at that stop and walked outside. I was like, okay, it's like a mile down the road there. F that. And turned right back around and got right back <laughs> on the train. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was bad. Yeah. It's beautiful, but like practical, not practical, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. Sort of like the silly train inside Doha Airport. Um, what about, you know, uh, Chris actually asked us a couple other questions. What about improvements that could get made to fleets or airports, et cetera, while the coronavirus has kind of shut things down? Can you guys think of anything, one, that you would like to see or things that you actually think could be fixed while all this is going on? I mean, I would hope that we, after this, right, we're going to see a drastic contraction. I hope that we don't go into the over-deployment at key airports like we did in the last 10 years. Like, like, what do you mean? Like attacking, like LaGuardia having all CR2s or something? Yeah, like seeing like a 20% reduction permanently on the flight schedule from LaGuardia, from Newark, from L.A., Mm. from San Francisco, from Chicago, right? All these airports that are at saturation point JFK that have been overrun because there's the limits are not realistic or there are no limits. Mm. I, 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 go ahead. No, I was going to say a noble theory, but it'll be real interesting to me to see how the slot control situation works coming back. Um, more of an issue in Europe where they agreed to suspend slot rules for the summer season now, or they're working on it. I think the first of like several iterations of different people that have to pass the bill has finally agreed upon it. Um, but I feel in Europe, the slots are properly allocated, right? They're not, there's not much in the way of ground delays. There's generally not much in the way of arrival delays. You might circle once, you might circle twice. That's it. Here we see a lot more ground stops. You're sitting in on the ground for up to an hour, hour and a half to just take off from the moment you push back. You don't see that in Europe. Yeah, you think you mean like at like uh, London or Paris? Yeah, like London or Paris. Like you Heathrow, you'll circle once or twice, and then you'll go in, right? At mo- at worst, Paris. I honestly don't think I've ever had to circle going to Paris, but I could be wrong. Uh, Frankfurt, same thing. Munich, same thing. Um, here, right? Like we'll, we'll occasionally do circling, but now what we've done, we've shifted instead of circling, we just hold you at your origin point to to line you up in a slot system for when you can actually land. Yeah. 
And then someone hiccups and it all goes to hell anyway. Exactly. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about this a little bit. The I, I, a little interesting statistic: uh, Daqing, the new airport in Beijing. Um, I think it said they said it costs like ten trillion, uh, ten billion dollars to build the airport. I think is what it, the total was. Uh, to build a new runway at Heathrow, it's like fifteen billion. Oh, well, free <laughs> labor can really be advantageous to you. <laughs> yeah, also, but, zero, also zero real, real estate cost. That's true. Yeah. But still, I mean, they're laying concrete is all they're doing at Heathrow is what they would be doing. They'd be buying some land, laying concrete and connecting it with some taxiways. Well, no, because there's a lot of money being lost in all the fighting and justifying and trying to get it through. Uh, so maybe they should just build a new airport. Sorry. Well, the other thing is, like, yes, doing the construct is just laying some concrete, but you're doing that at an active airport. Also, True. there are True. additional costs that come with, like, not just being able to bulldoze a huge chunk of land and do it wherever you want. But in the case of Heathrow, where the third runway is supposed to go, it's nowhere near the active airport. So in theory, they could do most of it without impacting the existing airport. I like your theories. <laughs> well, it's not like this industry is going to grow anytime soon, so it's okay. There's that. We I mean, really I think, don't need the third runway anymore. I mean, I think that's the I think that's the point, though, of like uh, like where I would you know one of the questions Chris asked was where we would want to go. I actually am very interested in seeing Daqing Airport. It's it's amazing to me. Like just seeing, I've watched a couple of videos on it because well, I got nothing else to do when I'm not working. So um, you know, it's got double arrival and departures levels, so it can kind of do both at the same time. Um, so it's it's like if you're connecting internationally, you never actually interact with passengers domestically. Um, which I, I find awesome. So I would just like kind of like to check it out. I, I mean, I, would, I agree. I would love to go check it out, but I, didn't they close it? I think they've closed it for a moment. Yeah, yeah, it's completely closed right now. And for that matter, which, Beijing is really closed too. Well, that's an interesting topic also in some ways. We have, I've seen that uh, rumors that Orly is also going to close. <clears throat> They're going to consolidate down to uh, just Charles de Gaulle. Really? Wow. And it made me wonder... As U.S. traffic is contracting, should should they temporarily close LaGuardia? Oh. I, think close, I think they should just close LaGuardia, not reopen it. <laughs> kind of a loaded question with Boz on the line. <laughs> but seriously, like the New York area is already struggling with sufficient having sufficient controllers. The uh, FRG, one of the other airports out on Long Island, the tower went to uncontrolled airspace the other day as they need. I think because they needed the controller in a another location mm. um right this is after jfk has already had to switch to its backup tower operations once this week and then zny which is the larger sort of regional airspace controller facility for all of the new york and philadelphia area also had a atc zero incident where they had to shut down briefly for getting people out of the room and cleaning some stuff uh, <laughs> it's just with the limited facilities available and then also just the cost of doing all that stuff like how much cheaper would it be if, you know, if all of the airlines are only running 40% of their flights anyways, why do you still need LaGuardia open? Yeah. 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 Are you, well, and up- you could suspend, you could also suspend the construction, which is still, there's a lot of money on the line right there too. And clearly won't need it anytime soon. Um, I think it's like the construction yeah. doesn't add much space as opposed to just making it actually like livable and useful. Right. No, it's, not like it's not like they're doubling the number of gates or anything that they don't need. I'm not saying that from that perspective. I'm just saying just if you suspend construction, you're saving money. Sure. I, but I think it's actually like an opportune time to finish that construction. Like speed it up and get it done. 
Maybe. Or renegotiate contracts because there's, you know, if we are truly going to a recession or a depression, it's a good time to renegotiate your contracts for more favorable terms. True. Very true. And you can't really speed it up, at least right now, if you're not allowed to actually have all the workers on the job site. Yeah. I mean, I know that's like one of the things here is like people are allowed to continue construction projects, but they have to ensure that they're social distancing their workers. So, yeah, that makes it that makes it tough to add people. Um. Chris actually asked another question too is, you know, where are we looking forward to going after this is all done? Do you guys have anywhere on your list? Uh, (laughs) Everywhere. The the airport? Anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. 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 (laughs) Uh, Honestly, for me there, I've got a bunch of friends in Europe that I was supposed to see on a couple different visits this year that more than just the work parts of those trips, I'm looking forward to catching up with them because it has become something that we do a couple times a year and has been very nice you know, friendships and relationships to build. And that's not happening right now. Yeah. No, I get it. Foz? What about you? Uh, For me, I would say uh, London. 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 (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) London was an easy guess for Foz. Yeah, that was a pretty easy guess. But that in Singapore. And since United is opening a PZ space now, I might go book a ticket for Singapore. Gotcha. Gotcha. I, I was, I, I still have an open ticket on Cathay, one of those Cathay first class tickets uh, to Vietnam. I was hoping to take that. And I don't know actually what's going to happen. They, they sent me a very, very friendly email saying um, your flight will be canceled. Uh, you can refund it if you'd like. And uh, I'm tempted to call them and go, I don't want to refund it. I want to keep it open and, and go in sometime in August or something. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. The only thing I, and I don't know what the, and Seth, you might have some insight onto this, what the airlines are doing. To extend ticket expiration because I know like AA has a hard one year from original issue where it just keels over and dies. I don't know offhand specifics on that. I do know that it is an issue. I assume that uh, in some cases, at least they can just cancel and reissue a new ticket if they had to. But I, Stephen, I think that's probably what you're going to run up against with some of these cafe tickets is they're just going to be like, yeah, I mean, isn't it already? I mean, it's, over a year. it's been over a year already, right? Yeah. Yep. Because it was New Year's Day last year. But they re, they re, they reissued it without issue. So okay. But the the reissue is not the same as a new ticket. It just reissues the original ticket generally. And sometimes in some systems go by the original expiration. Some don't. Like United will extend every time it reissues, it extends it another year. AA it never never resets. So I, I actually don't know. Then I need to go look. I, mean, I probably need to call them. I'm trying not to back up phone lines with yeah. you know with unnecessary. There's also that thing where like. You know, Cathay will probably still be in business, but what routes are they going to even be flying? Yeah. If they can get me to Hong Kong, I'll be happy. So, yeah, I can find my way somewhere else. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And I was I was hoping to do some kind of beach destination at some point, but I don't I don't really know where. So I'm about Seychelles. Did, did they tell you did they tell you which of the flights was canceling? Was it the Vietnam one or the JFK Hong Kong? Uh, both. Uh, so they the, the, the originally the Vietnam flight. So Hong Kong to Hanoi canceled and they rebooked me on one a day later. Um, and then they sent me an email saying, hey, by the way, uh, they'd already rebooked me on the 1 a.m. departure out of JFK from the noon departure or 1 p.m. departure. Uh, they said, hey, the 1 a.m. is going to cancel as well. So I'm guessing they're down to one flight a day now. Yeah, they are. Yep. Um, so, you know, I, I'm happy to, like, move the ticket. I don't I don't mind. It's not like I'm going to fly it if, if they leave it intact. So, yeah. But I, I, I was trying to think of somewhere like a beach destination that's kind of got some stuff to see. So I was thinking maybe Zanzibar or something like that. Dar es Salaam. Those sound great. Are there are there great white sharks there? I don't want to get eaten. <laughs> Probably not on the beach. Okay, not on the beach. That'd be <laughs> impressive. They they evolved. Um, <laughs> 
So yeah, no, that's pretty- me. Do, you, do you guys remember the Saturday Night Live skit with the shark? Mm-mm. No, there's no. like there's a weird Saturday Night Live skit where like a shark is knocking on someone's door trying to get in. It's like rim service. No, you're a shark. Housekeeping. <laughs> no, you're a shark. And then yeah, anyway, <laughs> it was the original like left shark, right shark. Idiocy. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. No, I and so Seth, you're thinking about Europe, and Foz is thinking about London and Singapore. Uh, it's funny how we're we thinking we, about Europe. I, I also will probably end up in Florida. Um, senior, senior family. Yeah, we've got this is a tough one for us this year. There's a bunch of family stuff that was supposed to happen in the next couple months that is all almost certainly going to be canceled or delayed. So getting out of that, getting back into that is is it? It's Sabbath, right? It's coming up. Is that like which what? Uh, is it Passover? Shabbat? Yeah, Passover is coming over. Yeah, Shabbat's every, Shabbat's every Saturday. That's a weekly Passover is uh, coming up in 10 days. Yeah. And is that and is that hard? Passover is the one that Passover is the one that matches Easter. Yeah. Yeah. Is that hard not being around family? Because that's kind of like a family thing, right? To be around family and friends. Very much so. Yeah, and it's, it happens to be my favorite holiday. So uh, that's the one uh, that always is hard for me. And this year, actually, I wasn't going to go to I ended up not going to be going to Florida for it because it's midweek and it was right on the back end of being in Hamburg. And there was a whole lot of other stuff around it with other trips to Florida. And now it turns out I would have been uh, more keen to get there. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. That sucks. Sorry, man. Yeah. Eh, goodbye. Making it work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about? I really like the dark board approach to all the uh, inventory management airlines are doing right now. Oh, yeah? What, how so? Well, United was a Friday issued a press release. They're canceling pretty much their entire international network, minus a few Mexico destinations. And then Saturday reinstated some of those flights. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that one was weird. How quickly they walked it back. It's got to. I mean, it's got to be repatriation flights, right? Um, and so we are. Do we talk about that on the show or before the show? I don't remember. But the one, yeah, we, it was during the show. Um, but right, so a lot of that's going to be one way traffic, I think. But th- there is a reason to keep some of them around. But yeah, the airlines literally are making changes faster than like they can keep up with getting the messages out to Emirates on Sunday at like ten o'clock Eastern. Uh, uh, had announced it was canceling everything. And then at 1130 or so announced, oh, except for these 13 countries hmm. and had to walk. And literally it was got a message issued with a quote from the CEO, not Tim Clark, the guy who actually, you know, owns and runs the company saying, this is the, what we have to do. The, we're shutting down completely. And then like an hour later, walked that back. And now the whole country is shutting down. It turns out on Wednesday. So uh, had to walk it back forward again. Hmm. Well, but and- yeah. But it's changing too fast. What's interesting though is they're they're changing at this quote unquote rapid pace on the international stuff, but domestically they're not like all these flights are still running empty. They're still burning all this this it's money operating these flights, and they're not doing anything about that. That is strange, and they're also loading the changes relatively slowly. It seems like part of that I get from a systems perspective. If you just cancel eighty percent of your schedule or whatever, the impact that's going to have on your rebooking systems would be massive and so i can understand trying to slow roll that a little bit so the queue doesn't get too backed up but yeah i don't know there definitely needs to be i i would like to think that the airlines could be a bit more proactive in saying we are in fact canceling all these things we are zeroing out the inventory and then canceling the flights and doing it faster but i know i do know there's a lot of moving parts involved in making that happen but the problem is when you do that when you do it at a slow pace if you're one of the last ones to get canceled there might not be anything left for you to move to yeah Absolutely. So, and then the other interesting thing that's going on right now is they're overbooking excessively. I, I have a flight to London in beginning of April. It's overbooked by three hundred something people right now. None of whom will actually fly, so it doesn't matter. But it's still amusing yeah. how, to what extent they're overbooking now. 
I mean, it's kind of, we've talked to some people uh, that we know in Europe and they've seen, you know, overbookings on an A319 of, of a thousand people. Yes. You know, that's a lot. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> so. That's like an interesting counterpoint to when they were all like the, uh, was it the Abios mis- was buy the tickets for Abios, just buy the tickets and you get the points, right? There was that deal. Oh, the, Madrid one? the Iberia one. The Iberia one, like, right. You could like buy eight tickets and get 50,000 points or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, with a short lifetime on them. But people were, there was like so many people buying one of the shortest, cheapest routes that, uh, Iberia didn't really know what to do with inventory management on it. Cause it was like 90% no shows. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was Madrid, Barcelona, right? I think it was one of the islands, but it was something. Oh, uh, Mallorca. Yeah, it was something crazy where like it was ninety percent no shows, and so, but they for whatever reason something didn't trigger, so they didn't stop selling it either, and they like had to make a decision of how many, what size plane are we really going to put on this route? Because if we put too small a plane, we have a bunch of uh, EU compensation that we owe out. But if we put a big plane, we're going to burn cash because we know that most of the passengers aren't going to be there. It was an, yeah. Interesting, yeah. an interesting game for revenue management to play. And to me, the real interesting thing, Foz, to that point, though, is how many of the airlines are selling super cheap seats far enough out that they sort of think things will have recovered by then. Like, I understand selling a cheap t- one-way ticket this weekend because you know no one's going to buy it anyways and any money is good money. But if you start looking at like June, July, August, where they're hopeful that some of this market may have started to return, are you still selling... You know, one way Boston to Vegas for twenty two dollars because that's what I would see in the other day. Well, what, what some of that might be is if it's for June, you're not going to ask for a refund between now and June, right? They'll hold the cash exactly, and so it might be a cash grab. Um, you know, one way to um, grab some cash. But one of the things that's really surprising to me is through all this last week, I'm just like, oh, I wonder what hotel prices are doing. So I'm like, is this an opportunity to go mattress running? And what I've noticed is where I am uh, just outside New York City, none of the hotels have dropped their prices at all. In the city, they have, but outside of the city, they haven't. They're all the same rates they would normally be. Hmm. Do you think it's like they, they just, you know, there's people transiting, trying to get to different places and they're, um, you know, willing to to have that inventory there and price that way? I I don't know. I don't know if this is a, we'll just charge out, we'll mark, keep it up and then take a bigger loss and let the inventory spoil. Mm. Uh, we'll ask for a bigger bailout because we lost all this money. I don't know. I also wonder if it has to do with how the franchise agreements work and like points, room points rates for next year. Is that, I know it's based on average daily rate, but is that based on, Paid or theoretical and things like that. I just there could be some other weird math going on in the back there. Hmm, possible, but you would think at this point, right, in the next two three weeks, they'd want to get as many people in as possible and try to incentivize that. But that doesn't well, seem to be the case. I would argue the other. At this point, they're actually trying to keep the rates up so people don't book, so they don't have to staff. Yeah, not as many people there. Yeah, right. If you've got five rooms booked, you don't need full housekeeping. You don't need full front desk. You don't need all those things. So fair. It's I have no idea what the actual answer is, but that's another take. Well, gents, I think that's a show to our listeners. uh, You can find us on Twitter at dots lines, more dots, more lines.com. Interested to hear what you're doing during uh, this uh, self-isolation period and uh, how are you keeping busy? Um, Leave us a comment. Details on your compliance with the New York city guidelines. Yes. We don't want to hear about your uh, sexual health uh, at all. Um, So uh, yeah, thanks for listening and uh, happy travels. (laughs) Take care. (laughs)